Well, good day, and welcome back to the Humans of Agriculture podcast for 2024. It's bloody good to have you all back, and I tell you, I'm actually so excited. I've spent the first two weeks of this year on the road, catching up with all sorts of people for it. One for a little project we're doing with the GRDC, and along the way I've had the chance to meet some very cool people for that. I've also sat down with a couple of people for the Humans of Ag podcast as well, and this year's going to be a fly. It's going to be good. Um, what I thought I'd do for this first episode it was back in July, August of last year, I sat down with Dave from AgriMaster for his podcast, Boots Off Logon. And as I kicked off this year, I've spent, I've done three and a half thousand Ks in the first two weeks, but I wanted to listen back to this podcast. And yes, it is so uncomfortable listening to yourself. In the chat we had with him, about the 25 odd minute mark, it was kind of a really good chat about humans of agriculture and listening back to it. I was talking about things and I was like, oh, I actually really like how I kind of explain that. So I thought to kick off the year, it'd make sense to give a little bit of context. What is humans and agriculture? Why did it start? And kind of what's that emotional vision of what we hope to achieve? So I hope it doesn't come across too self-serving, but um, it should be pretty interesting. We'd love to hear your feedback because this year got a couple of ideas and um, you're going to hear a whole lot more about that soon. Let's get into it. So in the early days, you've done everything from you've worked as jackarooing, you've farmed in Canada, you've worked in, you know, larger, you know, global, uh, like you worked at Global Table, which, you know, in the US, which is part, I think, Food Bank, is that right, I think? And No, nah, so it is separate. Global Table was an event we, we held here in Melbourne and oh, it, was, okay. it was partnered up with a, an event out of Europe called the Global Food Innovation Summit. So all this exposure, right from jackarooing through to that, to markets, to everything. So how did that inform your view of what eventually became what you're doing now? So how did that inform your mind around agriculture? It's probably interesting because I think really the golden thread between everything has been curiosity and that eagerness to kind of try and learn and understand. And a lot of it has been self-driven. And even with Humans of Agriculture Today, a lot of it is I want to find out or understand or learn an aspect or something about a person or about an industry or whatever it might be. And so I think for me, probably the, that's the, the similarities across all of the businesses. But I think probably starting off, it, it has just been that as I had different experiences, so the chance to actually go on farm and experience, okay, well, maybe these are the parts of the job that I really love. These are the parts maybe I didn't enjoy as much. So when it comes to my next step or the next opportunity, how do I change or, or evolve into that? I think the big part for me was actually through Marcus Oldham. And, and I remember when we went to China, it was 2014, and we'd been on several different tours here in Australia looking at different elements of the agricultural supply chain, but I'd never been immersed into an area with as many people as China, with as much innovation and poverty kind of coexisting. And I think what blew my mind in some of those Chinese cities was you had the coexistence of one of the most affluent people in society, but also the poorest, and they literally live side by side. And then you look at well, what, what are the similarities and things that we can draw out of this? And a lot of it came down to people's involvement in agriculture. And yeah, I think for me that the jobs and opportunities I've pursued have been about, well, how can I understand more about either that pocket of the world or that industry or whatever it might be? Um, because I'm really just trying to find my way through it as well and, and work out what it is that really lights me up. And so whether it's been working in ag tech startups and working really hand in hand with farmers to try and address some of their on-farm challenges, but then also look at, well, what are the 
ancillary benefits of this as it starts to move through the supply chain that we can provide to others. And then looking at, okay, well, I've, I won't say I mastered that, but I've, I've learned that and I've understood that aspect. How can I go and learn more? And I think for me, it's just been really fortunately just the, the chance to meet different people, be willing to throw my hand up, but also probably not be willing to, uh, to, to settle and think, okay, I'm in this job. It's got great career prospects. If I stick around for five or 10 years, well, then I could be there. It's actually like, well, what's driving me has been that, that learning. And I think that's probably what has really flown into what humans of agriculture is today is really that desire to learn and understand, get curious and ask questions and meet a whole bunch of people while we do that. You mentioned um, when I was listening to you at that conference about, you talked about curiosity, but you also talked about vulnerability. So the idea of bound to, you know, to really truly learn, you talked about the importance of vulnerability. How, how do you see that? Um, how do you think that really works for you as a person, but also for, for humans of agriculture? Vulnerability is a funny one. Um, I'd say for me in a professional sense, I feel comfortable being vulnerable. Um, I think it's probably been my, my fallback, um, in terms of when things get difficult, it's like, okay, well, let's just be career driven and focus on that. I'd say probably vulnerability-wise, personal life is probably harder to be vulnerable. I think that's the, the side of things which really scares the shit out of me. When it comes to what I've done professionally and I guess the experiences that I've had in different businesses, my learnings through humans of agriculture, I, I think it's really just approaching these things by going, yeah, just being honest. And I, it's probably something which I've been really fortunate to do a couple of different leadership courses, none more so than the Australian Rural Leadership Program last year and I think something which really stuck with me through that was especially in vulnerability how do you be how do you be personal when it comes to sharing your experiences but also not private and I think it's important to to understand the differences of that and so I think for me with vulnerability like I am putting my heart kind of on my sleeve and going and sharing the different experiences I'm going through the good the bad and I guess the more so is the ones where I'm really just throwing my hands up in the air and being like I actually genuinely don't know but I think the beauty, and, and I'm sure you learn about it as well through having a podcast, the chance to actually talk with people and create a space where you can have that connection with them and chat through these things is going, most people actually don't have their shit together. Like there are CEOs of organizations who are literally in the exact same situation of being like, this is what we're trying to achieve, but how we get there, I actually don't know. Um, but that I think that's where... It, your, your little community, whether that's in a business or the people around you actually become so important because you're never actually alone and being able to share things and talk openly about it. Well, actually, for me, I think if I'm, if I genuinely am having trouble with something and I can either sit here and stew on it or I can actually share it and try and address it and then move on with it. And then hopefully from that, you never know, opportunities might come. Do you know what's amazing, isn't it, that how willing people are to help out if you're willing to listen or learn, isn't it? Like, you know, I remember when I've had um, team members come into AgriMaster and like, for example, they're from, they're from outside ag, but they really want to get involved. Um, I always say to them, you know, never, never pretend that, you know, just say, look, I don't know anything about whatever the farm business is. Everybody wants to tell you about their business. They want to educate you. They want to help you. It, it, it's actually phenomenal. <laughs> and so they end up with this massive knowledge because everybody wants to share. Um, 
I, I completely agree. And I think for me, I feel like a, a huge imposter at times. People are like, oh, if you, you're in this position where you get to talk on behalf of agriculture, it's like, well, no, like I just get the chance to ask people questions and I'm learning for myself through that. And I think that's a looking at different areas. Like I, I really regard myself and probably coming back to that career question, like did I want to specialize in an area or did I kind of want to be a generalist? And often people will say, oh, for your career, you kind of go general at the beginning and then choose your specialization and, and go down it. But I actually kind of regard myself as a generalist because I just truly am fascinated by so much and so many different things that um, for me, yeah, it's looking at through, you know, I guess, re- passing on stories is actually going, well, if someone over here, like if I'm chatting with you, David, and you're the expert in um, in livestock, then I actually can share what I've learned through your story and how that's actually helped me grow my understanding or shifted my perspective yeah. on something. I think that becomes a really powerful way where it's not trying to be an expert and regurgitate something you said. It's actually coming from my perspective, my take. And I think that's where storytelling is so incredible is it allows people to take it, but then actually give their own interpretation of it and be able to pass that on in terms of how that impacted them or, or what they learned from it. A lot of uh, my friends and colleagues go, how do you find time to do this podcast? And I go, well, it's a bit of a selfish pursuit, really. Because I would love having these conversations even if I didn't ever record them. So, you know, because I just really want to learn from Ollie or from Jack or from, you know, so it is a bit of a selfish hobby, but, you know, you've got to make sure it provides value to everyone who's taking the time to listen as well, don't you? 100%. Do we share the secret with everyone yet or not? Or do we <laughs> hold on to it for a bit longer? <laughs> hey, on that, let's segue into Humans of Agriculture. So, look, you've had these this with this ramp up into ag yeah so how did humans and like humans of agriculture has been largely really successful now you put a post on social media the other day you've hit some big numbers right so we'll go you can explain those numbers but how, <laughs> so let's start at the end so the numbers now and then how did you get going like how did this what do you call it monolith start like yeah well i think for us we probably like we definitely but best known for our podcast, our weekly podcast, which we've been doing, which is really championing and showcasing just the extraordinary people which make up our agriculture sector. And yeah, last month, I think over the last couple of months, we've probably been playing with it a little bit. We've evolved our team, which has allowed us to probably come up with a bit more of a strategy about how do we do what we do in the best way we can and shift that and share that responsibility so we can execute on it. And I think it's been really exciting to see. So in, in the month of July, we had 28,000 listens and that's off the back of in June where we had 22,000 and we kind of looked at that going like, oh my God, this is just all of a sudden. I think probably before that we're averaging 15 to 16,000, but that uptick to 22 really kicked off and it was off the back of looking at, well, what are the areas that we want to learn about? So I think one part of that is really an area which you can't, have an agenda on, but it's going, okay, who are the people which I'm really fascinated by and want to sit down with and chat to find out more about their drivers, their opportunities, their journeys that they've had. And we've been really lucky, I think, just the challenges on the podcast that we only have 50 odd spots a year that we can fill and there's just so many different people. And so we've had some really awesome talent, but we also, on the side of that, released a series around something which I think is incredibly talked about, obviously being carbon. So we wanted to come up with a carbon shortcut series where sat down and interviewed an expert who was Professor Richard Eckhart. 
from the University of Melbourne and wanted to, from my own, I guess, frustrations of there was so much noise in this space, but if I'm having all these conversations with people and I don't understand it, and then I guess reference checking that with friends um, and other people through our community, but also personally going, okay, there's actually a huge gap in the understanding of this. So can we take a model which has worked in other areas, which is let's start a learning journey in a conversation, which is incredibly topical that isn't overly well understood. Can we chat to an expert and ask some of the really simple and dumb questions, but the ones that people probably wouldn't put their hand up and ask in a, in a crowd? That's, I guess, the end point. Flipping it back, 2019, um, I, was, was, I was in between jobs. I'd just finished up at a company called AgLive. We were the ag tech company that was working on the farm management platform as well as supply chain traceability solution. And the part which I knew that really lit me up was looking at the opportunity for agriculture was how do we connect the consumer back into everything that was happening along that supply chain and inside the farm gate. And what we were doing at that business was built around trying to create data points. And my frustration sitting there was like, well, actually, we need to do it through marketing first because it's all well and good to have data, but if people actually have no idea that this is available or this is the awareness piece, create all the data you want, but it's actually completely irrelevant because people actually want to know and connect into this. And so in 2019, quite a, I guess, crucial moment, I had left my job there with nothing else to go to. And I was over in South Africa and for me, I think probably, and I, and I really want to do more travel, especially with an agricultural lens, because agriculture is the one thing that all 8 billion people on the planet have in common. And it's the one thing which actually people when they're at their most vulnerable and challenged actually fall back to. And so South Africa was really interesting. Like as a country kind of driving through there, you, you see extreme poverty and then as you came to Cape Town, you can literally have shanty towns and mansions next to each other. But it was a conversation we had with a taxi driver and he was a fellow from Zimbabwe and he chatted about, well, he was in Cape Town driving a taxi so he could save up enough money to actually return home and start farming. And it was like, oh my God, in Australia, the debate at home was about um, alternative proteins are going to overtake animal proteins and we're going to lose all our livestock farmers. I am exaggerating a little bit there, but... <laughs> And I was thinking far out, like if we actually just got a little bit of perspective into the conversation, no at the end of the day, whether people eat plant-based proteins or animal-based proteins, they're all supporters and stakeholders of agriculture. And But how can we look at the role that agriculture plays in people's lives, not just in our little pocket of Australia, which is 26 million people, but actually globally? And for me, I think that's where Humans of Ag started. And I thought, okay, we boil it back down. Back home in Australia, we talk in facts and it's like, oh, if people just knew the facts, they could make decisions. But no one buys off facts and figures. They buy off emotion and you can have all the logic in the world, but bring emotions into it and emotions will prevail every single time. So how do we use what we know works and actually start to create and share stories, which looks at agriculture through the emotional lens? And I think for me, that was where the natural fit of storytelling came in. Because if you meet with people in the sector, there's always so many stories that come out of it. There's so much passion that come into it. People's faces light up when they start talking about these things and how can we grab all those amazing things and actually take that to a platform where the everyday person actually becomes our hero. And so in a sense, Humans of Agriculture was built around the influencer model, which has worked across so many other industries when it comes to elevating and platforming people. But 
instead of having a single person as the influencer, how do we create the platform? And in that space, each week or however often it is, we invite someone else in. And the fam- familiarity that the audience gets is through me at this stage coming in. And, and I see my role as actually helping that person who's coming in to share their story be comfortable. But my job in it is just to walk along beside them, ask them a few questions which allow them to get comfortable and, and really share and tap into that emotive piece of why they do what they do and what drives them and what's the impact that they want to have in their little pocket of the world or what's the impact that they see agriculture having. And so that evolved, I think, I'm, I'm blurting out the whole story in one, but in the early days, I, I was very fearful of activists and, and throwing my face to it. So I actually tried to keep myself removed from it. And there's two reasons, scared of the activism side, but also two, I didn't want the platform to be about me. But if it comes to trust and connection, we build connection off people. And so I knew that if I was to do it and I got um, very gently spurred on by someone and, and probably developed a little bit of courage, that was actually like, okay, if I want to have this impact, which I aspire to be and, and actually shift these conversations for the benefit of agriculture, for the broader community, but actually try and have it in a way of, let's look at what is the opportunity in agriculture in a global sense and how do we do that? Well, I think for me, I felt passionately enough about it that I needed to jump in and, and the podcast began. I was, um, I'm sure we can touch on, I was the beneficiary of a couple of years of lockdowns and and ultimately it's kind of just evolved from there. <laughs> so yeah, you're hidden your room for two years interviewing people, mate. Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before the podcast, now this is a bit that I, I'm actually was trying to understand even when I heard you speak the first time. It was a blog originally, yeah, and you and you're an anonymous blogger, yeah. So, well, when I say blog, it was social media led, so it was just okay. through Instagram at the handle Humans of Agriculture, and it was about yeah profiling and sharing different people's stories. But I didn't really see a need or actually probably a desire for myself to be associated with it. So it did start as trying to champion different people and different personalities in the agriculture sector, and and do that through written format on social media. Do some stories really jump out? So, I mean, you've interviewed a lot of people, right? And, and are, there, are there some topics or people that just group people um, and, you know, really take off? It's funny, like, if there was a secret source, I haven't worked it out yet in terms yeah. of the stories. I, I think what it boils down to is that it comes from, from me, I actually need to really be present when it comes to spending that time with that person. I have to really switch on to be able to listen and and create that space where they feel comfortable, but also to be willing to take it in in different angles. Mm-hmm. And I think probably off the back of that then it's also when it when it comes to maybe some of the more topical areas and, and we've delved into topics if we or at a high level we've had about succession, but we've also talked about suicide, mental health, mm-hmm. and all these things which are actually part and parcel of our agricultural communities, which are huge topics. Um, chatting to people about child loss. And I think I walked out of that interview and was like, how on earth have I like, why, why do I have the license to be able to ask questions on these things? But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to asking that permission of people. Um, I think if you look at what's, what's the trend in agriculture, I think there's the stories of, positions probably don't do so well but what we can do through our storytelling is actually grab someone who's at the grassroots who's just an everyday mm-hmm. kind of person 
who everyone sees as being ordinary and actually within these little ordinary parts is where we really do find that extraordinary pieces um, of humanity. And, and I think likewise, we can chat with CEOs and business leaders and everyone else. We're not chatting to them at the title because to be honest, that stuff, there's aspects of it which interests me, but I want to know what goes on behind them. And so we have this really incredible piece, I think, where our platform's actually a meeting place where we bring people and positions actually back down to the human level and, mm-hmm. and we elevate people who might not see themselves as being an authority or, or actually having a story and going, well, actually, let's just come together, have a chat. It's, it's you and I um, and the beauty of podcasts or, or one-on-one conversation is that then it's up to the audience. And if they resonate with your story, that's incredible. But at the end of the day, if you feel comfortable sharing it, um, I'd love to have the chance to chat with you and we can kind of see where it goes from there. I highly agree. My father used to say to me, he used to say, um, everybody has their own, has their story. You know, it doesn't matter whether they're, uh, you know, the president or CEO or, uh, you know, um, someone who's, you know, picking up your rubbish, sit down and listen, you'd be fascinated. Everyone has a story. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more, David. I think it's probably like we're, and I'm guilty of it. We've become in such a rush to do things. And actually, if you slow down and start to observe kind of what's happening around you, you get that word. I love it. Curiosity. You get curious about someone and ask them a little bit about them, try and find out more about what they're doing, where they're at, what is their story kind of behind it. I think that's where we do really find the extraordinary. Yeah, you can just, you can nerd out on each other, can't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hey, um, so I would love to know, you know, you've got these massive numbers now. How many people listened to your first episode? Mm. Way back when? Yeah, way back when. How many, when you got to say 10 or, what was exciting for you? Oh, I, to be honest, it was probably just that initial rush of having released something. Um, God, you're testing me on that. I'm going to have to go back and I actually would, would really love to go back and look at that. I'm just looking at some stats. Okay, yeah. So I think it maybe took five or six weeks to get to our first thousand downloads. Um, and then I guess it becomes this little bit of economies of scale. The more episodes you release, the more chance people have to go back yeah. and listen to something. So. Yeah, I think maybe the first time I cracked 100, I was like, oh my gosh, how good is this? Um, and then, yeah, being being able to, and how I view it is, for me, I, I'm so privileged to sit in the position to have these conversations with these people. And if that's the only place where it's ever heard, well, then that's kind of enough for me. Um, the fact that other people really resonate with it and, and where they resonate with it is really exciting. And I think, well, I still... I struggled probably a little bit at looking at it from a numbers perspective because I think if we define our success off the numbers, um, then it, it just becomes transactional. But I think probably the and only yesterday's episode, we had that person that we interviewed. Um, it's it's the things that we'll never see, the impact that we'll never ever see yeah. that actually make these conversations so special. And it's that off the back of him having a chat, yes, we might have got, I don't know, say a thousand downloads, in 24 hours, that's fantastic. But he might have got five, six, seven, 20 messages, or it might even just be one, and one message that actually goes, wow, like how special was that to actually have the opportunity to chat about the things that drive me or, or answer questions in a way that I probably naturally wouldn't throw myself into it. Um, and I think, I think the true impact of what humans of agriculture has and does, we'll probably never, ever know. Yeah, so it's these people who would normally... 
I, I listened. To, I, I kept thinking back to your story about the the taxi driver in Cape Town. Is that not many people like you know they always have this amazing story, but not many people, they never get asked for their story, do they? So sometimes do you feel that people are like, okay, is someone interested in my story? Do they want to hear about me? Probably the most common words I get, David, would be, oh, I'm not that interesting. Go and find a story somewhere else. And I think, I think it's probably like a, a humility piece. Um, yeah. Maybe it's an Australian thing. Yeah, I, I think lots of people probably downplay what they've done and what what's driven them. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably just the natural feeling for lots of people. But what I'd encourage others to say is, well, go and have a go. Get asked some questions about some different things. And, and it's not about trying to, for me, it's not about trying to trip someone up or uncover some really uncomfortable things from their past. It's actually just trying to understand a little bit more about who they are and what drives them and, and go from there. Yeah, it's great. It's, I suppose we get we get um, stained by that, what do you call it, um, tabloid journalism, which is sort of what we do with these podcasts. It's very different, isn't it? Like, And I think people feel it's going to be like that, but it's not, is it? So, And, I suppose, and when you listen to your episodes, it's very comfortable, I suppose. Unscripted? Unscripted. <laughs> uns- unscripted is good, you know, because if it's got a script, it never really works, does it? It doesn't. And I think that's probably what podcast has enabled is it has opened up this incredible way of storytelling. Like I think if you look at so much of what we do and and especially in the content world, people are it's it's a battle for attention of how do you get right. that person's attention for longer. The amazing thing about podcast is that long form content, you can't really hide behind it because one, it would be so much work if you did that. But two, um, these conversations really do just kind of evolve. But what happens on kind of the other side in, in people's ears as they're listening to it, like often they're inviting you into a place that they really want to have you. And whether that's when they're out for a walk, whether they're sitting in the kitchen, whether it's their quiet time, like the intimacy that's created between two people having a conversation, but then allowing your audience to take that to wherever they want to, um, it is a really cool thing. It's almost voyeuristic, isn't it, in a way? Like I feel like a lot of the podcasts I like have that feel about them and I'll listen to them at the gym or when I'm walking or in the car or whatever. And it's feel like I'm eavesdropping on a conversation almost. Yeah. And that was, I think, the big motivator behind our podcast was we were we were in lockdown over in um, in Victoria. You guys wouldn't know about that <laughs> over on your side of the world, but I could educate you on that sometime. <laughs> no, no, we, 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 got our, we, we had our emperor <laughs> who locked us in. <laughs> but I think for me it was really like, okay, well, how can I, I really want to ask these people questions. So how can I get access to them to ask them these questions? Do it in a way that if I was to have a coffee with them, I'd have to be feeling really confident and comfortable to yeah. actually asking the questions. The microphone gives you, and now we're sharing the secret sauce, the microphone gives you this license to actually ask these questions that you probably otherwise wouldn't feel overly comfortable with. And you can ask them from a a safe perspective in terms of, I'm really intrigued about this or something the audience wants to know is this. Um, Yeah, I think they're they're a pretty special little medium. But it it is actually amazing, isn't it? So... Where from here? Um, what is it? Global domination for humans of agriculture, Ollie. So, um, without giving away your business secrets, but you know, you're just your your emotional vision for this. What do you hope for your baby in the coming years or the coming months? Or- well, probably a better plan. Um, no, yeah. To be honest, that's probably the the part which I really struggle with um, is that 
I think when it was when it was a passion project and I was doing yeah. it in lockdowns, it was incredibly easy. There was no pressure in in it, if that made sense. There was so much time and space that was created through actually being in that isolation of of lockdowns. When the opportunity came and I guess that crossroads came of going, okay, does Ollie want to be I'm talking about myself in service? <laughs> do I want to be uh, and and try and grow a corporate agribusiness career and go down this pathway or do I really want to try and see where this passion project can go mm. and to me it came to a point where actually the two couldn't coexist it had to be one or the other because I either wanted to go all in on my career or I wanted to go all in on and see where this went and I probably had to I was really fortunate that I had an amazing leader in the business I was in at the time Angus Street there at Auctions Plus and I was able to really candidly chat to him in that and and be vulnerable in that sense of mm-hmm. going, I'm at this crossroads and and I'm chatting in absolutes. Like it's it's one or the other. They can't do it. Because one, I feel like if I was to go and work part time somewhere, then then I'm just not actually going to go all in and see what this thing can do. Yeah. Um, so the challenge at the moment is that we've we've brought other people in and it is now how do you how do you build a business that's built on purpose? And do it in a way which you can support livelihoods, mm-hmm. especially in the content game where you're you're competing with so many other mediums out there. For for us, I think that's probably the, the challenging thing is how do we continue to commercialize this in a way that doesn't um, doesn't compromise the values and the actual why we created it. So that's probably a way of answering where I think going into the future. It's really yeah. looking at how do we work with businesses that have similar values to us. We know whether it's retailers that are involved in agriculture talking about, okay, agriculture actually has this incredible story that it needs to share and people are genuinely interested in it. Right back down to industry bodies, agribusinesses and individual farmers saying, we feel undervalued because people don't understand what we actually do. So coming back to that question before, there's a huge need and a desire and a problem that needs to be solved in there and it's and I see storytelling as being the natural conduit to that. How do we create human to human connection through stories for that? What that kind of looks like, I guess, for me is I see agriculture playing such an important role in the world we live in, in terms mm-hmm. of how do we, in a global sense, battle things like obesity, malnutrition, the way we care for the land, the way we move things more efficiently, more sustainably. Like everything is kind of coming back at, at the core of all these big global challenges coming back to the interrelationship that we've got with our agricultural and food sector. And so I think for me, it's how how do we help facilitate those discussions in a way that isn't driven off an, an agenda. It's actually driven off curiosity. And I think for me, if we can stay true to that and actually go, how do I, we as a, as a group, mm. um, as a team actually look to understand more and, and create this audience behind us, which is two-pronged, but take the audience on the journey with us, but in a way which really does champion the agricultural sector and help people feel seen, heard, and connected to what is actually happening in what is just such an important part of society. It is. Uh, I go back to your point before. I love that idea that you mentioned before that, you know, when everything goes wrong, people almost retreat back to ag, don't they? Like it's a really and how we're all connected. I mean, you look what's, you mentioned your worldview here and about how connected we are. Well, look what's happening in Ukraine, how that affects people in Egypt and China. And, you know, like, you know, we're all the same at an agricultural level, aren't we? And we're all sort of interconnected. So I love that vision. 
of how agriculture sort of baselines us all really, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think it just gives us perspective. Like when you actually boil things down, what you actually truly need is food, shelter, uh, and connection and, and a couple of other things. But when we look at, I guess, the injustice that can come out of agriculture as well in a global sense, and yes, things like the war in Ukraine, but it's the little things that don't even make the news here. Like the droughts that have happened over East Africa, Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of people, mostly children, have actually died this year alone. I would say there'd be very, very few people in Australia that are actually aware of that. When you start to look at the challenges within our food system, you look at the developed world where there's more than 2 billion people now overweight globally and you've got 830 odd million people starving every day. And it's like, okay, well, how do you actually address this? And fundamentally, it comes back to our food system and agriculture system to create a more kind of just society. And I think that's the part which I guess really philosophically inspires me because you can, if you want to create meaningful change in the world, you can do it from your little pocket of the world, wherever you might be farming, but connecting people to that, wherever they are, becomes incredibly powerful. Brilliant. Now, to finish off, mate, I want to know a couple of things. When you're not just this, you know, you're a busy man, when you're not knee-deep in ag, how do you you like to pass your time? You're a beach guy, you're a snow guy. uh, Yeah. Um, What do I do for fun? What do you do for fun, mate, when you're not working the whole time? (laughs) I got asked that a while ago. And I think that's probably the hard thing in terms of, I just find, I find, find I'm so motivated and inspired by what I do that I really do find it hard to walk away from work. But I also know that's relatively unhealthy. Um, I recently went on a holiday, David, and I did not a whole lot. I was up in Noosa catching up with friends, sitting by the beach reading book, um, being active. Like I, I do enjoy getting out and doing things, whether that's riding a road or mountain bike, a bit of swimming. Um, I love going to the gym pretty well. I try and go every day um, and do group exercise, obviously not much for one for solitude. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's sort of for fun at the moment and, and where I want to get to is spending more time with family and friends um, because, I, yeah, I probably have sacrificed that a little bit. You do with the passion project. And the last one, mate, is I ask this of everyone because in, you're probably the best person to ask for this question because you've spanned so much of ag and better perspective. But the myths, I love... Agriculture, you know, as a storyteller, you'd know there's so many myths around ag. And what do you reckon one of the most prevailing myths that you come across, you know, from people outside of ag, if that's a thing, looking in, go, it looks like this or it is like this, that that is just clearly wrong or misunderstood, do you think? Well, I was recently reading a report, actually, David. I've written down the stat because I actually reckon this myth comes from within agriculture but it's how we look at ourselves. And it was from um, the Norco report, which was looking at the state of um, farmer mental health and wellbeing in Australia. It was, I think, released in March or April this year. And it was that 76% of farmers who were representative samples, 76% of farmers believe that the role they play is undervalued by society. And I actually think that's a myth because I think society really do value farmers. They're just not having the opportunity to draw those connections. and, And I think a lot of that comes from, yeah, I guess, in agriculture, we're creating this myth and assumption that people don't value what actually happened. There you go. It's a good place to ha- finish. So thanks very much, mate. And um, I really enjoyed our chat. And um, all the best for the future, mate. Oh, before I go, I've got to say, so how to get? So how do people get hold of you? 
Um, you know, humans of agriculture, where do they find you? So how do they nerd out on all things humans of agriculture, mate? Where do they go? Oh, you can go anywhere. No, um, Instagram, I guess, is a, a key platform for us. We're just at humans of agriculture with an underscore. Um, our website, humansofagriculture.com or reach me directly, hello or Ollie, but probably best is hello at humansofagriculture.com and that'll come through to us. And yeah, we'd love to chat to anyone who has a story and interest or, or wants to kind of chat more about what we've talked about. Good on you, mate. Well, thanks very much. All the best. Thanks, David. Well, that's it for another episode from us here at Humans of Agriculture. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts and, well, if you're not, let us know. Hit us up at hello at humansofagriculture.com. Get in touch with any guest recommendations, topics, or things you'd like us to talk and get curious about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Rate, subscribe, review it. Any feedback is absolutely awesome and we really do welcome it. So look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane. We'll see you next time. See ya.